Greeting podcast listeners, this is Steve. Uh, episode number 121, kind of a special edition, what I tongue-in-cheek say, this is our Rising Star series. Uh, Desiree Casanova, you may remember from episode number 36, she's completed her ICMA fellowship, is now working as the assistant to the county administrator of Sarasota County, and she does a little bit of a deep dive on uh, the ICMA Fellowship and what a great program it is, not just for the fellows, but for the local governments that bring those folks on. Also, you know, we talk a lot on the show about um, mentoring. Well, this is a really good opportunity to hear from a mentee what value she got out of it and what things worked for her as a mentee. I think you're going to like the show. Uh, She's got a contagious personality, a really good person. Uh, Stay with us. Thanks. Greetings, I'm Steve Van Poor, and this is the FCCMA Podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. I'm your host, and each episode we interview a city or a county leader who's in a position to share interesting and useful insights into the operations of local government here in the Sunshine State. Today we have a returning guest on part of our Rising Star series, Desiree Casanova, who is now serving, last we met her, she was a student, and now she is serving as the assistant to the county administrator of Sarasota County. Desiree, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on this podcast. For a while, you were episode number 36, and now this is episode number 121. So we've all got a lot more gray hairs, except you don't. (laughs) What have you been doing for the past year? Because I think it was about a year ago we, we interviewed you. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Yes. So about a year ago, I was the ICMA fellow, the International City County Management Association, um, local government management fellow. So ICMA LGMF um, for Sarasota County. It was a one year position uh, in which I was working directly in county administration at Sarasota County on various projects. Um, I think the last time that we chatted, I had just started that position. I was just early into it, uh, Mm -hmm. seeing what county life was like because I had transitioned from a city um, and was just working, you know, here and seeing what it was like to be in Sarasota County. So that has been a great transition so far. I want to I want to delve into two things today. One, you have been uh, we talk a lot on the show uh, because I think a lot of county and city administrators are really passionate about helping younger folks break into the field. Um, it, you know, it reminds me of like when you ha- when you don't have kids, like going oh, having kids, and when you have kids, you're telling all your friends, "Oh no, you got to have kids. It's great, right?" So we all want once we're in, we want others to join us. Like when you jump in the cold water in the pool, you're like, although this time of year there's no cold water in any pools in Florida, but you're like, "Oh no, no, come on in. The water's great." So. Uh, you have been on the receiving end of uh, a mentorship. I want to talk about that. And I want to talk about the fellowship as well. Um, So let's start with the fellowship because that's kind of a cool thing. But I want to start kind of small. Give us one idea of one cool project you worked on that you really learned a lot from. So one cool project that I worked on during my fellowship was the emergency rental assistance program. Uh, Not only did I get to work with a 
a past fellow from Sarasota County who was leading the program. Uh, but the program was helping our residents. We received funding from the U.S. Department of Treasury pay for residents uh, rent and their utilities because somehow they or their families were impacted by COVID. So it was a really meaningful and fulfilling project that I got to work on. And I'm proud that I got to help uh, a lot of residents who were Spanish speaking. And because I'm bilingual, I was able to utilize uh, my diversity and help those in need as well um, in that sector. And um, it was really, really a great opportunity to, to really give back and know that even with this pandemic, there was funding that was going to help people and it really was changing their lives. We we had so many people just be so thankful saying, you know, I didn't become homeless from this. I didn't uh, lose my my place, my my light, my you know electricity, um, and my kids had a, a safe place to stay too. So it was a great program that I got to work on uh, during my fellowship. You know, everything I hear about the fellowship, it's not like the old days with internships where, you know, go get us coffee, go run copies, you get to sit in a few meetings, but it sounds like you really rolled up the sleeves and got into the work of the work. Yeah, no, they're not internships. That's really an important factor to to make sure that we know. Um, they are way different from that. They they really see you as more of like a management analyst, something at a higher caliber. They give you tasks and projects to manage and to take forth on your own. Um, they want you to lead. They want for you to be guided uh, by your own knowledge and expertise and take it to the next level. Um, so it is a lot of independent work uh, in the municipalities when you're in the Fellowship. Are there educational requirements to get into the ICMA fellowship? There is. You have to have been a recent graduate, um, a master's in public administration or a master's in public policy. Those are the two requirements uh, educationally to be uh, a fellow. And so uh, tell, tell us a little bit about, because I don't think we've ever done it on the show. Um, I want I want to, and I want to talk about it through the perspective of if I'm a city manager uh, or county administrator, uh, the value of it, because it sounds like you get a relatively low cost employee. You're not you're not being asked to work for free, correct? Yes, it's not free. It's a, it's a full time position uh, paid and you get paid. Who pays yeah. is it paid by ICMA or is it paid by the county or the city? It's paid by the county or the city, and they can really range depending on the size and their budget, you know, what works for them. So certain fellows in a small town or village could get paid, you know, a certain amount. And then somebody working for a larger city or a larger county could be paid a different amount, depending on what their budget allows them to do. So the city or the county has to also see the value in this because they literally are putting value into it. Um, exactly. So a little bit about the process to get in. Yeah, so the process is a really competitive process. So one, we mentioned that the uh, applicants need to have a degree in MPA or an MPP. Second, they have to go through a competitive process because it's an international program. That means people can apply internationally um, and you actually apply for what region you're interested in. Once you apply to that region, those city or county managers or HR directors and managers contact you and say, you know, I saw that you applied to our region. Are you interested in working? working for Florida, for Georgia, for Alabama, for the state that they, you know, um, are in. And from that, you have case studies, a resume, multiple interviews. Um, ICMA does their own interview to even get you to that portion of the uh, selection. Kind of, ICMA and, does um, a little bit of pre-screening to make sure that the applicants are high quality. 
Exactly. Um, and then that's what gets distributed to the city or the county. Um, so it's a really rigorous process, but I'm telling you, the value of it is priceless. And knowing that you have a succession plan for your city, for your county, for your municipality, and knowing that you value that, right, and that you want to make your organization better, you want creative thinkers, you want innovation, um, that's what allows then the, the organization to thrive because they're open to that. So when I hire people, um, in, in my firm, and I know this is true in, in most higher level jobs, it takes six months. You know, we, we jokingly say, hey, look, for the first 90 days, you're going to be a total liability between 90 and six months. You're almost breaking even. You don't provide support to this organization until six months. So we say jokingly, but the reality of it is when you have a high level person in a higher level management position, it takes years for them to really get their legs underneath them. Help me understand why it's worth it. I'm city X, county Y, and I want to have I want to bring in a fellow other than the altruistic angle of it, which is which I think a lot of the people who participate in this program, who are members of the FCC may do care about the altruism to help others. I mean, that's why they're city managers and county administrators, yeah. right? Um, but I got to invest a lot of time in somebody who's guaranteed to be gone at the end of a year. Tell me how that's worth it to the city or the county. Well, I think the first thing is having somebody who has thought and completed the process of an MPA or an MPP is already a small population. So having somebody with those uh, criteria and that knowledge is something that city and county managers should look into. If somebody was that dedicated to complete that type of degree, they're on the track and they want they want this. They want this type of field to, to be their profession. So I think that's first. And, and secondly, I just think it's important for city and county managers to realize that you know, at some point in time, there is going to be, and, and our county is an example of it, a lot of people who are retiring from this profession, and we have to be open to the next generation. And fellows can be of any age, right? You can get an MPA or an MPP in your 20s, in your 30s, in your 40s. Um, but we have to be open to, to providing new opportunities for people and getting that succession planning in earlier rather than later. We don't want to be waiting when, um, you know, somebody's retiring that month or, or that year versus getting them acclimated, finding a fellow, getting somebody into the position and training them to, to lead them into this the, field. Fellowship program meant to be a succession? Like you go in there it and, is. and you're seeing that you're going to be staying with the organization. So it's a two-parter. So ideally, yes, ICMA would love for the host community, that's what they're called, the municipalities, to, you know, find a position for that fellow after their year or two years. Some fellowships are one year, some fellowships are two years. Um, so ideally, that's the case that we can find them. But okay. the fellowship is a is a fast-track management position. That's They want you to be fast-tracked into a high position, whether it's a director, a manager, a city or a county manager, assistant, uh, assistant too. Um, they do. They want it to be that streamlined to get you to that next level. Um, and then, yes, they would love, and, and our county is a prime example, to hire those fellows. If they're great and the county loves them or the city, the municipality in that case, and, and it's a good fit, they love the location, by all means, we want more people in the profession. Okay, so now I see why you use the word succession up front. So it's not just like a one-year dig, uh, a gig. You come in and you and the idea is you, you've already got a bachelor's, you've already got a master's, you've already got, and now you're getting this intensive training. And the idea is to bring you on board 
it's like a really long one-year job interview, but with a high quality person who's already been vetted. Exactly. And at the end of the day, that does provide a lot of value to the city or the county doing it, other than the intrinsic altruistic value, the value that you're bringing on somebody who's highly trained, highly educated, and uh, obviously ambitious. Exactly. And at the end of the day, if it just wasn't a great fit, that applicant can still go to any other municipality and know that they got rigorous training, management experience, leadership experience, and still go be a superstar in maybe a different place that's more suitable for them. But it's still a win-win either way. Yeah. And and and, and anybody you hire, you know, we all do the job interview. Everybody puts on their best face. They say all the right answers. You really don't know if somebody works within your organization unless and until they're actually embedded in their organization. They're, you're at their staff meetings and you and you live through a couple of highs and lows with them. You know, someone yeah. passed away, the dog got really sick and how they handle those things in the office. Uh, is transferable. So this is, I, I did not realize that. And I'm guessing that a lot of people listening in did not realize it either, that this is part of a a broader program, not just a one and done kind of thing. And hey, Desiree, thanks for serving for a year. You learned all this really valuable stuff. Now go head over to Manatee County and serve them. <laughs> yeah. No. Um, what, what, any big takeaways from your time as ICMA fellow? I think a big thing was the mentoring. You know, I was mentored one-on-one by the deputy county administrator, and I continue to be mentored by him. Um, That was the most instrumental thing that I have taken away. You know, anybody can learn a job, learn a task, learn a project, um, especially, you know, when you have the skill sets to do it. But knowing that someone cares about you and having that mentorship professionally and personally um, was, was amazing. Well, let's talk about that, because on the show, we do talk about a lot of folks bring up. I like to mentor younger folks. But um, and so we see it from that perspective about why they see the value. And we get all the usual answers, you know, helping the next generation, helping cultivate folks. Uh, I enjoy it. We hear a lot. You know, I enjoy giving back to others. And and that goes to the per- the the baseline of the FCCMA podcast is the service orientation. I actually have a client who's adopted my terminology. Uh, I said, you got to be the city manager. And what that means to him and to me is you got to do the good work. You got to do the hard work, but you have to derive satisfaction from doing good work for others, not for the recognition. Because the moment you start seeking recognition, as we know, that's sort of the death knell in uh, local government, right? The recognition goes to the electeds. You might be the one who got that grant. You might be the one who brought that bridge and got it repaired and beautified. And now traffic is flowing a lot smoother. But it's the mayor who cuts the ribbon. And if they're naming that bridge after the city manager, it's probably because he's on a, he or she's on their way out, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we hear a lot about, I like to mentor. So let's let's invert that a little bit. As someone who is a mentee, uh, what? how did it work for you? And and then let's talk about the values you got out of. So how did how did your mentorship go? Yeah, so my mentorship was already in my work plan, which I think is very important for any position, being a fellow or being a, a regular full time permanent position. Um, it was already embedded in the organization, so I think that's the first step. Um, so we knew and we had it on the calendar that I would be mentored by the DCA of Sarasota County. And for me, it was every two weeks, so biweekly. Um, it was in person, which I thought was amazing. And it's a great component to talk to somebody face to face. And in addition to that, there was always an 
open door policy, but during those mentorship conversations, yes, we talked about the tasks that I'm doing, the work that I needed to get done, questions that I had. Um, But going back to that personal aspect, how are you doing today? How are you feeling today? How's your family doing? Um, Knowing the human portion of me, uh, of the mentee, I thought was just invaluable. Um, Not only does it show that you care about people, you care about your employees, but you understand that if their human side and their personal side is not well, then their productivity and their work side is not going to be well because they they coincide and they're they're very important together to be cohesive. Um, so I thought that that was a great thing uh, that our DCA does and continues to do when he mentors. So one of the elements there is uh, you brought up two. One is regularly scheduled meeting, mm-hmm. which you know when you talk about it sounds easy. Uh, it reminds me, you know, somebody will say, hey, can you come to this conference on Saturday, you know, uh, February 13th? And I'm like, sure, that's six months away. I won't be busy then. And then when February comes around, you're like, ah, uh, setting aside those meetings. And I, and I would imagine because that's a, a commitment to your future self, right? I'm going to meet with you every other week. Um, and but actually doing it now, obviously, there's emergencies. And he's like, hey, we can't meet this week. Uh, but keeping those meetings, I, I would imagine, is really important and says something to you clearly. Hey, I know we got a big budget negotiation, but I'm still having my mentor meeting with you. Exactly. And, you know, I will say just a shout out to to all the executive assistants and the senior executive assistants who put those on the calendar and they realize the importance of it. And they realize it's so important that even if it's uh, one hour, 30 minutes or 15 minutes, it needs to be on the calendar. And if it needs to be moved from one week to another, one day to another, it still has to be there. And I think that that support from other people as well in the organization managing those calendars um they, they see the value of it. And they say, even if it's, like I said, 15 minutes, it's still important and it'll still bring about the results that, that are needed, both professionally and personally. You know, we had a guest on talking about, and really stuck in my mind, I think I've re- repeated it several times, this guy, Sam Silverstein, about it's one thing to have values and to state what those values are, um, but it's another thing to live those values. So you say, you know, we value family around here. And then you're like, hey, everybody needs to come in Saturday to clean up the office. Uh, Or somebody says, hey, I have a sick child. And you say, well, I'm sorry, you have to come in anyway, find a sitter. That's not valuing family, right? Right. Yeah. And what you're telling me here is if they value mentorships by setting it on the calendar, even if you don't make every meeting, even if it's only 15 minutes, you're saying, I value this and I'm doing my I'm living my values. Mm -hmm. Uh, The other thing you said was meeting in person. Uh, is that versus a Zoom call? Is that versus a just a regular telephone call check-in? Uh, yes. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm happy to see somebody half my age saying they value in-person meetings because, you know, there's a generational because the kids these days, you know, came up through texting, you know, phone, da, 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 da. They, they, my son broke up with his girlfriend. This is probably six, seven years ago. Um, by text. And I said, Michael, you can't break up with a girl by text. He goes, Dad, in all fairness, we met by text. <laughs> so I like hearing, the, you know, to me, the message is the medium, right? And meeting in person says, I really do value this time. And I'm not just going to check in with a text. Hey, how you doing? You know, uh, so that that seemed to be part two. Any other things you would recommend to somebody that you saw value as a mentee 
that you that that you would share with these with these city managers to help them and county administrators make them better mentors? I think one was the fact that my mentor allowed me the opportunity and realized the value of attending networking and different types of conferences, different opportunities for that professional growth. Um, that was really important to me. And, and he said, how are we going to get you when I was a fellow to your next position? He said, how can we help you? We need you to go to this conference. We want you to go here. What do you think about that? So asking my opinion, but also pushing me to go to these types of events that's going to lead me to meet different city and county managers, network and learn about different local government issues and policies, you know, having somebody support you in that sense, that that was instrumental. Okay, excellent, excellent. Um, anything else about mentorship that you, you would like to share, you know, with the, with the audience? No, I think that that was a, that was a. Good, I, I like that. And so now what's the next journey? What, what, what do you, what do you, what do you, where are you now and what's going on? So I've been in, I'm in my position now um, a year, which is crazy to know how time flies. I was in the fellowship for one year and now I'm the assistant to the county administrator for one year. Um, I am enjoying my role so much. I am so thankful to be in it. Um, I get three like parts. What do you like about yes. it? Uh, I have. Th- I think my job is really interesting because I get to to dive into different parts. The three different categories of work that I get to do are special projects for our county administrator Jonathan Lewis and our DCA uh, Steve Patello uh, for county administration, which is always a pleasure and always really gets my critical thinking skills going. Uh, but I also get to work on HR and going back to that mentorship. Um, I started with our HR manager going to high schools and just educating the students about what local government is. And I realized they don't teach local government in high schools. You know, they teach state and federal government and it's important to vote in the primaries, which it is. Uh, But they don't realize that if we teach the students now, here's a commission meeting. This is who your commissioners are. This is uh, topics and policies that are impacting you right now in your backyard. You know, what are your thoughts on it? What do you want to do about it? Um, So I've been going to high schools, which has been just amazing. And their their faces just light up. They're like, I didn't know government does this. I didn't know that was a job. I didn't know this was a profession. Every picture of government, right? If you see a government textbook, you see a government pamphlet, you see a government, we're taking a course in government. What's the picture they always show? The U.S. Capitol, right? Yeah, that's it. Um, now, I am not diminishing the role of the federal government. They play a, a vital role with our currency, Correct. banking, international diplomacy, uh, national security. But what's more immediate, what's more immediate is local government. And you're right, we never learn that Hey, when you flush the toilet, that's a really important thing that that what's in the toilet yeah. goes away, and that's handled by local government. And explaining the differences uh, is is right. You're you're vital. It's because it's the most immediate form of government. We joke about oh, they shut down the federal government, and almost nobody noticed, right? Because they didn't really mm-hmm. shut it down. They kept the military going. They didn't tell all the submarines come back home and park until we're ready to go. Uh, they kept sort of things going, but. If you shut down city government, the electric the electricity goes off, the water goes off, the roads are closed, no policing, uh, mm-hmm. and it would be truly calamitous. And it's it is funny how we think of government and we think of Congress, we think of the president. We you know all the movies are about that. Unless it's Parks and Rec, it's a most of the most of the culture is surrounding uh, D.C., not necessarily local government. So true. So true, Steve. And um, in addition to that, so, 
you know, going to those high schools and just educating them, uh, talking to the teachers, even the teachers sometimes tell us, wow, we didn't realize, you know, all that local government does and the professions that they have, um, going to colleges and job fairs, and then helping out with the intern program. Um, just it, it all speaks for me personally about, we said, the next generation of change and helping be there and guide them and, and just inform them about local government. And the last part of my job uh, is about lobbying. So I work with the government relations director. We go to Tallahassee. We're going to be starting soon in September to the interim committee meetings and then as well to uh, the legislative session in Tallahassee. We meet with legislators and talk to them, you know, one on one about the projects that we plan on, you know, asking for funding for and why they're important and what it means to our community if we get that funding. Um, and with that, we also tell them, hey, we're in opposition of a bill that's maybe in the making or uh, might get some floor time. And, and these are the reasons why. And this is how it's going to impact us and other municipalities. Um, so just the three categories of, of uh, work that I've been doing have been amazing and just have taught me so much. Um, well, they, and it's good to have that diversity. The lobbying is is an excellent and cool thing. Now, you guys meet with the your local delegation before they head to Tallahassee. Yeah, we meet with them uh, throughout the year. We're on the phone with them. Sometimes we'll meet them if they're in the area. Oftentimes, some of our senators and legislators have uh, homes here. Um, so we'll meet them in their local offices and things like that. And then, yes, in Tallahassee as well, right before session and then during session as well. Yeah, my, my counsel to our city managers, county administrators is if if you have to come to Tallahassee to meet with your lawmaker, you have already failed. Um, while coming to Tallahassee is vital because in the moment they're going to need backup, they're going to need support, they're going to need information. But when you walk in that room, they should say, hey, Desiree, how you doing? Good to see you again. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they need to know that you're connected back home and that you're part of their community. When they vote up here, that vote will be reflected back home. And I think it's vital to the success of the partnership that should be between state and local government, right? And it begins back yeah. home. And, you know, we, we talk all the time to our, our to our mayors, our commissioners and our staff that you've got to get to be on friendly terms with them back home and let them know that you're connected in the community. Uh, you know, it's funny, Desiree, the one thing, you know, they, they, they come from a variety of backgrounds, lawyers, doctors, beekeeper, insurers, uh, farmers, uh, stay-at-home uh, uh uh, persons, right? All kinds of uh, degrees and, and occupations. But the one thing they all have in common is that they're all connectors and they like to know people in the community. Whenever you meet lawmakers, I was like, who do you know? I want to know who you know. That's just part of their soul, right? That's why they run for office. They're the most connected in their community. And to know you back home and see you as part of that connectability and that connect those connections, I think is vital. And uh, that's so you kind of hit me. Uh, it's a raw spot with me because I, I I love the advocacy that the league does, the FCCME does, and local members do. And I get frustrated that lawmakers don't see. Sometimes maybe they should have taken that sixth grade course or high school course in in civics to understand what local government does. Yeah, no, it's a great it's a great aspect of my job. I'm very happy to be involved in it. The um. What are, what are some of the priorities for Sarasota coming up this year? 
Water quality is always very important. Uh, resiliency and mitigation. Um, we were hit, you know, a lot by Hurricane Ian, and um, we're trying to figure out how we can best uh, support our infrastructure that got, you know, damaged, and also build new infrastructure so that it can maintain stronger winds and, and water for future uh, natural disasters. So I think that that's important, um, and those are some of our big key things that we're working on right now. Yeah, and resiliency. I, I think I think every single person is talking about the same thing. As we have more and more yeah. violent storms, we have tides that are now, you know, rolling down the streets. We have beaches that are eroding quicker and faster, and uh, the rebuild. And just south of you, obviously, mm -hmm. uh, Myers Beach uh, took a, a real face beating. Uh, very very difficult. Uh, and then having the finances to rebuild when you don't have infrastructure is is a, is a very, very tricky widget. And I think you use the right word, resiliency. I think resiliency is the kind of word that brings us together. It doesn't divide us. Um, so, so good for you. Um, one of the things we ask our folks here, and you've now been in Sarasota. By the way, how did you get to Sarasota? What, what brought you there? Was it just so you applied around and you got there or did you want to go to Sarasota? So my family's from Sarasota. My mom was born in Sarasota. She went to Booker Middle and Booker High. Um, but And my grandparents are from here and they've lived here for over 60 years. Um, so I had been traveling to Sarasota since I was a baby with my mom uh, every year for the summer and for holidays. So Sarasota has always been my second home. So um, I moved here for family and I and I loved already the the environment. And it, there's only two places that that I love. And it's uh, South Florida, where I'm from, and Sarasota. Th those are my two places. Well, you know, I spent some time living in uh, part time in South Florida, back and forth. There are some really cool things down there. Uh, there's a lot of energy, a lot of good vibes, a lot of really interesting places to eat and recreation. And But Sarasota is really beautiful, and they've done a very good job uh, growing the downtown, revitalizing the downtown areas. Um, so it's got a kind of a nice combination. And you're proximate to, you know, really, you can get across the state to South Florida, what, two and a half, three hours. You can get to Tampa in less than an hour. You can get to Orlando in two hours. So it's kind of centrally located, but a nice little suburban community. Yes. No, so it's amazing. Us, uh, one of our last questions we'd like to ask is uh, tell us something cool about Sarasota that we may not know. I think something cool that's newly happening is we have an aquarium called Moat Marine, um, which has always been located in um, one section of Sarasota. And now it's actually being rebuilt um, from the inside out, which is pretty cool. Um, and all of the uh, marine life are going to be transported from there uh, to the UTC, which is the University Town Center uh, area, which is um, right off of going towards like Lakewood Ranch and, and the really uh, beautiful areas of Sarasota. Um, so I think that that's something really cool that when people come now, they're not only going to see this great mall that's newly created a few years ago, but now they're just going to have this huge aquarium to also visit. Um, so it's going to be fun for the family, the kids and everybody in between. And it's you said Moat Marine, right? Yeah, Moat Marine. My understanding that Moat Marine is not just an entertainment facility, but it's also a research facility. Correct. Yep. Research and aquarium. Yep. Yeah, very, very cool. Well, Desiree, yeah. it's wonderful watching your career grow, uh, going from entering into the fellowship as a student and now as assistant to the county administrator. Uh, I would love to have you come on like in a year from now, do the same thing, kind of just continue to track 
under the like I jokingly said the rising stars portion of the uh, FCCMA podcast. We don't really have such a thing, but we do now, right? <laughs> thank you. I appreciate it, Steve. Always happy to be on this podcast yeah, and thanks, share my experiences. Thanks for, thanks for that. And hopefully we'll see you at uh, the upcoming conferences. For sure. See All you right. then. Thanks, Take Ted, care. This is Steve Van Cor, and this is the FCCMA podcast, a service produced by and for the Florida City and County Management Association. Now, if you have a question or a future guest you'd like to recommend, send me an email to svancor at vancorjones.com or message FCCMA on Facebook. Thanks so much for being with us.